0: Oh my god, oh. I, real- <laughs> I realized in the last episode that we recorded, we forgot to say that what the podcast oh. was <laughs> called and who we are. <laughs> you know, so I might copy it over from this episode, <laughs> it's fine. Welcome back to Don't Fuck With Ghosts, the podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your Blost sisters. I am Betsy. And I am Greer. And happy Halloween, everybody. Because this is coming out on Halloween.
1: yeah, I can't believe it's already here. I, I mean know. it will be by the time you're yeah. listening.
0: I mean yeah, we're about a little over halfway through the month now, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. It feels like it was just October 1st. but you know, when you have a bajillion plans during the month of October, it goes by really fast. It has gone by <laughs> so fast. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. What are your plans? Well, for so the actual day for the, the actual day.
1: Um, well, because it's on a Tuesday, I have
0: to work during the day. Yeah, I actually in- might be going into the office that day. Why? Well, because my registration for my next semester is uh-huh. the day before, uh-huh. and then I'm going to want to, like, start submitting paperwork for my job to pay for it and everything. Um, And I also told my coworkers that I might come in on Halloween because it's fun and it's going to be a fun day. Yeah, because you like your coworkers. And I can, like, dress up. and So, yeah. I I do. (laughs) I do like my coworkers. (laughs) I like mine,
1: too. Um, Yeah, so going to work and then... Well, you know this, and I think people who listen know this, but my parents, specifically my mom, do Halloween big every year, like full-size candy bars. My mom makes all her own monsters. It's a whole thing. So I always go over there every Halloween, and so that's what I'll be doing. Probably, I'll probably work from my parents' house on Halloween during the day so that I can help my mom with, like, last-minute setup and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's it. And then Halloween weekend – Um, I have family in town, so I don't know if I'm going to be like doing a lot of like social plans with friends, but I'd be fine to have a more chill weekend anyway. I'm feeling a little like social plans, like tapped out. (laughs) Yeah. So as long as I have like Halloween, then I'm fine if I have like a more low key weekend. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of it will be you
0: helping your mom with setting up up anyway. Exactly. So you'll get your Halloween fix. (laughs) And some manual labor, you know. Oh, I was missing that from last week. week, So (laughs) So, Um, those are my plans. What are your plans? Well, for the weekend, that Friday is when my friend is having his uh, vampire themed murder mystery. And my character is named Billy Compton. And she was turned uh, after the Civil War, but still in the late 1800s. And she is the vampire queen of New Orleans. Wow. That's a pretty cool character. Do you have your costume? So I'm thinking I'm just going to do, like, sexy vampire, and I'm going to wear that bodysuit that I wore at the Paramore concert Mm -hmm. with, like, my midi black skirt from Abercrombie with, like, those black heels that we both have, Mm -hmm. and then, like, some fun vampy makeup.
1: Yeah, that would
0: be good. Yeah, something easy. Nice. Are you going to put, like, blood on your neck? Yeah, that's also another thing I need to do. I need to get fake blood um nice but yeah that's what i'm doing friday and then saturday i may or may not be going out but i really hope i do because i bought a shigo costume oh yeah like shigo from kim possible and i've been wanting to be her for a long time and i'm really want to wear this costume <laughs> out um but i'm hopeful i feel like if nobody else goes out with me, Isabel will. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: and I'm a, like I'm a
0: potential maybe.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so there's that. Um, if so. I went out, I'd probably just wear my Ren Fair costume because and just be like a. Oh, and then
0: you could if I a witch and I'll have fake blood by that time. You could be a vampire.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I may or may not <laughs> see you on Saturday. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I'm hoping that happens, and then that's really it. For Halloween weekend can't mm-hmm. do much else than that. Like going out twice in a weekend? What is this, college? It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Um, but then the actual day, I'm coming over, of course. Of course. And I can't wait to give you the surprise. Oh my God, I'm excited. I'm scared. What's the category? Wait, don't tell me. I'm not telling you anything. Okay. I love Other to ruin surprises a surprise. for myself. Yeah. I feel like you've done that a couple times with like what I was getting you for your birthday or something probably you, you would like guess what it was probably that, i have nothing pisses me off more <laughs> <laughs> no because i have as i love surprises both for myself and also surprising other people I know so you when do. they guess it I get super pissed off. You I'm like, how could you rain. ruin this for me, even <laughs> though it's for you? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm very excited. And we also, we usually always order pizza from this amazing pizza place by where we live. And so we'll have pizza. A couple of my other yes. friends might come over. So it'll be like...
0: We have to hand out candy to the kids, which Greer loves. And I love Corey it. and I get so super anxious about it. it's, not,
1: it's not that bad. Like, you just well, have to be like... Was it last, was last year or the year before it. that
0: when you accidentally told a child that you loved them? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that wasn't too good. She was really,
0: young. she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I've had better
0: moments, but I didn't mean it maliciously. No, I mean, imagine if I
1: was like, I fucking
0: hate you. Well, yes, but it's also like you didn't know her, so it's weird. <sighs> yeah, I guess. I think you were just caught up in the moment of I how was. much you love Halloween and the small the, children, the innocence of little kids. Trick or treating, I know.
1: And so. my parents give out full size candy bars, yeah. And so we, there's like always a ton in the house, and usually they all got taken up. But we get to like sneak a few, yeah. And my
0: favorite candy of all time <gasps> is crunch. I got a king size. <laughs> I got a king sized uh, bar of this at Greer's house one year, and my brother ate it. He stole it right out of my bag, asshole. And <laughs> it was dinner time. Um, and I guess I was trying to ruin my dinner because I wanted to eat this before dinner. (gasps) But (laughs) as you should. But like, everybody was getting their dinner and I knew that he had stolen it and eaten it. And I full on attacked him (laughs) as he was getting his dinner. Yeah. (gasps) Thanks for that, Michael. Hi, Michael. (laughs)
1: Well, I think it'll be a good
0: Halloween. Weather. I think it's a, a busy will be weekend, too. a chill weekend. The
1: day itself will be great. I'm hopeful yeah. that we'll have good weather because it's definitely it like it's a it's a high of sixty today, but it's overcast and very chilly. So I think it'll mm-hmm. be cold. Okay, well, Betsy prepared some Halloween like questions and would you rather's for us to get into our don't forget about fuck Mary Kill. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, some potentially controversial seasonal <laughs> yes. takes and opinions. So. We should just dive right in. Okay, so the first one is favorite scary movie of all
0: time. Yes. What's yours? Oh. I feel like I, it has to be Silence of the Lambs.
1: I was, I was between <laughs> Silence of the Lambs and Halloween. I don't think Halloween is the scariest movie, and neither is Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is just an incredible movie in general.
0: Ooh, we should add that, though, um, after favorite. What's the scariest? Okay. Oh, Okay,
1: so, okay, so favorite, I think I'm, mm, okay, I think I'm just going to go, I'm going to (laughs) say, oh, but then there's The Shining, too, okay, shut the fuck up, I'm going to say one, two, three, Silence of the Lambs. That's my final answer, but I don't feel good about it. Okay. What's yours? Mm. It's so hard. Ooh,
0: oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, yeah, because there's, like, comfort scary movie, and then there's, like, your actual favorite scary movie, and then Mm. there's the scariest scary movie. Like, that's why, because, like, for me,
1: Halloween is such a nostalgic scary movie, because I feel like we watch that a lot together, but. Yeah.
0: uh, I don't know. But honestly, the one that we keep watching, like, multiple years in a row is the. Blair witch project so
1: good but obviously
0: it's like it doesn't have the same impact as it does the first time you watch it so it's like i don't know if i can
1: i don't know man that moment that (laughs) the final like five minutes yeah is so disorienting it the whole
0: i don't know i was still like honestly for me i think it's between halloween and the conjuring oh my gosh Um, oh
1: the conjuring is so good yeah yeah
0: (sighs) but (laughs) too much time on this one two three uh, halloween <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay but scariest movie i'm going with i think we're
0: Fred, gonna say we're gonna say it the same time. Hereditary.
1: Hereditary. yeah <laughs> fucked me up but it was so good yeah okay favorite halloween costume that you've ever done sexy michael myers oh it was so good you guys you should have been there <laughs> i was there um my favorite halloween costume is elaine probably from Ooh. from the same party
0: one of my favorite costumes that you did was Tequila Mockingbird. Oh, that, was that one awesome. was really good. That was a
1: really good one. That was like very college vibes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And creative. Favorite Halloween candy. Crunch, crunch <sighs> bar. Yeah. I would probably say Reese's peanut butter cups. Specifically, I put them in the freezer and then I have them. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like eating a monster mash. Did you ever eat that at Friendly's? No. no. Do you ever go to Friendly's? <laughs> no. Um, well, I went one time, I think it was
1: after a Hot Shots basketball game. And Hot somebody, Shots. And somebody on the team's dad got food poisoning and they threw up in the bathroom.
0: So, of course, I was. Let p- me tell you, every time we ate at Friendly's. <laughs> you hit the shits. Little Betsy. Not the shits, like, debilitating stomach aches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Friendly's, their chicken, t- chicken t- tenders were kind of, like, rubber, like, gummy. Whatever. What,
1: why are we talking about that? Oh, Monster Mash. Favorite Marsh.
0: candy. Oh, because you said you like putting your Reese's Cups in the freezer. Yeah. And it's like eating them in ice cream. And the Monster Mash Sunday, they made it, to, it was like mint chocolate chip ice cream. So it was green, oh, like a monster. And favorite. then they would break a Reese's Cup in half to make it look like little ears. And they would put it on each side of the sundae. Oh, I would like that. And make a little face. I would like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Favorite Halloween traditions. Mine is just coming to your house. Mine is also being <laughs> at my house. And I also like that we always get Italian store pizza. Yeah. That's
0: Even part of, it's part
1: of the night. It is. Um, yeah. Okay. Candy corn, gross or delicious? Disgusting. I f- like it. <gasps>
0: How do I not know this about you? Well, because
1: I never, like, I would never go and buy a bag of candy corn. But if it's out, if it's out somewhere, it, I will like, eat it. But, like, do you eat it? Just because it's there, or do you mm. eat it because you actually like it? That's a good point. Well, I think I eat it because it's there, but I'm not like it doesn't make you na- go. Like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I
0: could snack on that. <laughs> okay, nightmare. So before- wait, wait, wait. Before we move oh, on, okay. How do you feel about the pumpkins that are made up? No, no, no. Same-
1: I eat, I eat the triangles only, and I eat them color <laughs> by color. So I do three bites per corn. <laughs> What? so i bite off the white
0: you don't stem. eat the whole. you eat it literally I eat, no i eat like it a little mouse section
1: by section oh. <laughs> do you know how i eat um chicken nuggets or kit kats or reese's peanut butter cups i eat the outside sorry i'm not paying <laughs> a whole lot of attention to how you eat your food <laughs> i eat the outside and like i nibble around the edge and then i keep it even then i eat the middle
0: and sometimes so, i suck on the um the kit kat until the chocolate's gone and then i just suck on the, the, wafer the wafer until it's soggy and then i eat oh. it I don't But that's only if I'm not like super hungry because otherwise I'm just like demolishing all of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Nightmare Before Christmas, Halloween or Christmas movie. I must confess, I saw this for the first time when we watched it together.
0: When did we wa- oh. at our last house? So twenty oh. twenty twenty 2020? twenty 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 one. Twenty twenty one. That's when that was the year we moved. Oh, because no, we would have watched it the yeah. twenty so, oh, twenty. So
1: I don't know. I feel like it's a Christmas movie. I don't know. I don't have a lot of. I don't really remember it.
0: No, I think it's a Halloween movie. Personally, that's just because the the opening sequence is this, this is this Halloween. Yeah, that's true. This, this Halloween, and Ooh. it's about Jack the Pumpkin King. Okay, I get it. They like go to Christmasland <laughs> at some point, and like they <laughs> fuck around with Santa, or they kidnap Santa. That's what he's <laughs> about. <saying. laughs> Santa found out. He <laughs> fucked around, and he found out. <laughs> well, and all these little kids are trying to kill Santa.
1: See, I don't remember
0: it, and that's dark. So that is pretty dark. Okay,
1: I guess I'll agree with you because I have no memory. I okay. think it's Halloween. Wait. It's in Burton. Come on, <laughs>
0: let me live my life. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at anyone that says it otherwise.
1: <laughs> You're yelling, and I happen to be here.
0: Okay, pumpkin spice or apple? Like apple cinnamon? Um, honestly, it depends on my mood. I'm not a big pumpkin spice latte person. Same. Um, but I love pumpkin bread and stuff like that. Like I would I would eat pumpkin pie over apple pie. I would eat pumpkin bread over like an apple crisp or something like that. But I would drink apple cider over a pumpkin spice latte.
1: I feel similarly. I think like you said, pumpkin pie is my all time favorite pie. Yeah. And pumpkin bread is delicious, but I think there are more apple things that I like. Yeah. Like an apple spice candle over like a pumpkin loaf candle.
0: Oh yeah, the pumpkin candles are mm, or like apple
1: cider. Oh, but pump. I think I'm just going to (laughs) say apple. Okay, a slight advantage over pumpkin spice. I think I'm going
0: to go. I think I'm going to go pumpkin. Honestly, wow, yeah. Well, because you make pumpkin bread a lot. I make pumpkin bread a lot. I love pumpkin pie. I do get my pump. I get my pumpkin chai tea. (laughs) Um, or my pumpkin chai latte from Starbucks. Mm. So I'm I'm consuming a lot of pumpkin this. Yeah. You're a gourd girl. <laughs> gourd girl. <gourd. laughs> it's true.
1: Okay. And then finally for this section, a funny Halloween memory. I can tell you mine. Uh, you went time to pre- prepare for this. That's okay. why I was going to tell you mine
0: first so okay. that you can think of one. Okay. God. <laughs> so mine, and you were here for this, was, I don't remember how old we were. We were in middle school. Uh-huh. And it was the year that you, Katie Graves, Annika... Oh, yes. Laura Pastor and Missy came over. Uh-huh. We were all taking pictures. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Do you remember what I was dressed as? Yes, an 80s eighties girl. Yeah, and you were a hippie. Yeah. And my little brother Jonathan, shout out Jonathan, was Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> and because we were all taking pictures, all the parents were taking pictures of us, so they weren't really paying attention much to Jonathan. And he was getting really annoyed that nobody was going trick-or-treating yet so he left (laughs) and mind you he was so if we were in middle school say say we were seventh grade he was kindergarten age he was like five five or six and he left and went trick-or-treating by himself and (laughs) once my mom realized he was gone she started freaking out as she does I mean obviously kids missing it's warranted, but my mom also just freaks out more than the normal person at anything. <laughs> um, and I just have this clear memory of her yelling at me, being like, Betsy, your brother is missing! <laughs> And I'm just like, no, but I like literally didn't give a shit. (laughs) like just looking at our pictures on my phone. (laughs) Oh, man. And I think that's why she was yelling at me. It was because I like wasn't doing anything to help her.
1: (laughs) You couldn't care less that Jonathan had gone off into the void.
0: But okay, here's the thing about Jonathan. Even at a young age, he knew his way around. And he like one of our neighbors ended up calling my mom. Or and so they found – they went on a search party, right? Well, my parents did. I don't remember if we did or if we just we like, did went trick or treating. We just did. Our but own my thing. parents did, and my older brother's best friend's dad. It's <laughs> getting convoluted, but my older brother's best friend lived right around the corner from us, and his dad told my mom that he saw my brother walking down the road because Jonathan had a ma- massive head as a child. Like, it was <laughs> a lot bigger, like, proportionally than the rest of his body. And he, because he was we- speed racer, he was wearing this big white helmet, so he was easy to spot. And so he told my mom this. And then the neighbor's house that he ended up going to called her, and they found him. <laughs> but he was just so annoyed that... People were taking too long to go trick or treating. <laughs> Look, he, he had said, business he said, to fuck get down it, to. Him. I'm going to get my candy. You know what? He had
1: ambition <laughs> even from a young age. <laughs> he wasn't going to wait around for everybody else. <laughs> I can't think of a funny Halloween memory, like specifically.
0: i well, sure we've had I have so one. many.
1: I know, but I can't think of any.
0: Nothing like specifically helping your mom build something. Well, maybe it's funny to other
1: people, but it's usually my mom. <laughs> I feel usually end up being like, I'm in charge of helping my mom do like, because it's not just putting up decorations, but they're like fog machines. She built this mausoleum one yeah, year and there was a like a ghost. Operation. Or, it's a whole operation. Like you're doing work. And so it's not like a specific instance, <laughs> but it's usually my mom like ordering me around and then my other friends laughing at me as I'm being ordered around by my mom.
0: Yeah. That but sounds I just about like, right. I can't
1: think of a specific like funny instance. I always have an amazing time on Halloween, but
0: like a specific funny thing, I can't think of one. But only fond those. memories. Do you remember the one Halloween where it was our last Halloween ever trick or treating? Do you remember what you were? No. I was snooky, if that helps.
1: <gasps> oh no. Was that the year that I was the insane asylum patient? It might have been. That was really bad. You know, it was a different time we and it's not acceptable, but it was <laughs> not great. It was not a great look. Wouldn't do again. But, but honestly, no. it was a pretty <clears> good costume. <throat>
0: It, was. Like, it looked um, pretty good, but it, it was did. terrible. <clears throat> but I was snooky that year, and that's how you knew we were getting a little too old to go trick-or-treating, is because literally none of the parents knew who I was. And then we went into Safeway to get candy, and the person working there knew who I was. <laughs> and there was one house we went to that guessed Jersey Shore. You know, but nobody really, no, none of the houses we went to knew that I was Snooky.
1: The parents weren't up on the pop culture.
0: Because they're probably the parents whose kids were trick-or-treating and, like, exactly. not letting them watch Jersey Shore.
1: <laughs> exactly. Okay.
0: So now we have a bunch of
1: Halloween would-you-rather questions. woo So, would you rather walk through a graveyard at midnight or spend a night in a spooky abandoned old house? Graveyard. Oh, graveyard easily. Yeah. Yeah. I don't find them to be that oh, scary. Although, like,
0: I don't either, but, like... Having gone to that one graveyard on the Beaufort Ghost Walk at night, thinking about going back now, like alone, yeah, that would be scary.
1: Yeah, I guess the type of graveyard, like, if it's but it's an also older like, long how long do you have to
0: stay there? You know, you're
1: walking through,
0: okay, so however long that takes, eh, do a lap, <laughs> yeah, I think I do the graveyard as well, but yeah, I'm definitely not spending the night in a no, abandoned fuck that. house. Absolutely not.
1: Okay, would you rather be a vampire in Forks, Washington, which, Twilight, obviously, or Mystic Falls, Virginia, which is Vampire Diaries? I know what you're going to say. Well, I don't think so. I think I'm going to go Mystic Falls. Really? Well, I think because, so we're watching Vampire Diaries, me for the first time, Betsy and Isabel have obviously seen it many times before, but there are more vampires around. Yeah. And there's... I don't know, there's like more of a community. I feel like in forks you'd be very isolated because it's the fucking Collins
0: and like they're kind of that's true, but also think about this. Um (laughs) and (laughs) in Forks, because they're the only vampires there, there's no like immediate threat to them. The only like people monitoring them really is the Volturian there in the Vatican, right? Or Rome. Right. In Mystic Falls, there's a whole council. Town council mm, mm, of vampire hunters.
1: Okay, then you know what? I'm gonna switch it back to Forks because also it was Forks itself was um, not that great, but the area <laughs> surrounding it was beautiful. Hmm. I could go fly and I don't know, fly, fly like really run, run really fast. Oh, uh, like
0: kind of spider monkey, your spider monkey, my my okay. way around the
1: Pacific yeah, Northwest. That's true. Okay, what would you say? Mystic Falls. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anywhere that Damon Salvatore is, I think once I, <laughs> once I consume
1: more of the show, I'd probably switch. But for now, I'm more familiar with Forks. But I like both. Okay. Would you rather spend a weekend at Eastern State Penitentiary or go camping in Burkittsville, Maryland? And in this the, scenario, yeah. the Blair Witch is real. Oh, uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, because there's a chance you're gonna get out of that one at the mm-hmm. end. The Blair Witch, maybe is, not like untouched, right? But going to Burkittsville, where the Blair Witch is real... She'll ensnare you. You're not coming out of that.
1: Mm-mm. No. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Yeah. Would you rather be abducted by aliens or possessed by a demon? Do you make it out alive in both scenarios? we will say yes. Uh, I mean, safety-wise, I'd rather be abducted by an alien, but it'd be kind of... If I were possessed by a demon, I would want you to be like Greer. You did like this, 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 and this crazy thing. Cause you wouldn't see me if I was abducted by an alien. But if, Dude, you, could if be, you were
0: possessed by a demon, I would be scared. That shit is contagious, and I you, would not come. No, near you could you could
1: set up a nanny cam and bear witness to my possession. Like
0: live stream it. <laughs> For the Patreon? Oh my god. (laughs) It's a business opportunity, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, I think just for the shits
1: and gigs, I'm going to say possessed by a demon, because I'm making it out alive. So then you have to stay abducted by an alien, so we could switch, we could trade experiences with each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Aliens? We. (laughs) Like, that's, like, very vague, because aliens could be anything from, like, the little green men to, like, the ones from Alien. Ooh. Hmm. All right, what's your decision? Well, I'm making it out alive, so I'll do the aliens. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you rather get captured by a jigsaw or attempt to outrun death in Final
0: Destination? Final Destination. I think I agree. I haven't seen a Saw movie in many years. I think you the only time to- was at my house. Yeah. Where we didn't even get through the whole thing. I think so. Um, yeah, that's just not, like, my type of horror. Um, but it's, like, oh, I got a taste of how interesting it could be because there's like that overarching plot right where you were trying to figure out who is Jigsaw, what's his connection to all these people. Mm. Right. So it's like I wanna know that, but I also don't want to watch all these people chop off their legs. You
1: could just read the Wikipedia summary. I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll do the same final destination. Okay, and then final would you rather would you rather oh God. What about the (laughs) plot of the visit, barbarian or hereditary? I'm gonna say the visit. But in this visit,
0: I'm adding this caveat for you specifically. No!
1: <laughs> I don't want that. You're the little boy. <laughs> I don't... Guys, he gets a poopy diaper shoved in his face. Okay, I'm still going to take that because the first... Third of Barbarian was so fucking scary to me. Yeah, and like, because idea, you're living out the
0: plot, you can't be smart and decide not to go into that uh, sca- uh, spooky tunnel okay. with the creepy with, rooms okay. and uh, cages. Ugh. You have to do all of it. <laughs> and, and hereditary is just absolutely horrifying. Yeah, so I think in I'll hereditary, say, you would be Tony Collette. Oh,
1: God. Okay, I'll say the visit. I'll just put some menthol under my nose to take, take out the poopy smell. God, it's all so bad. <laughs> I know. Are you debating between the first two?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I would never yeah. do hereditary. <laughs> That's demonic, so we're not doing that. Literally but, demonic. Um, Yeah. Mm, probably The Visit, because you're fighting two old people versus a barbarian woman. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I and still, Justin Long.
1: I still remember the full body chills of the twist in The Visit. Oh. oh it's so fucking crazy. Oh my God. Uh. I know. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, those are some pretty good would you rathers. Now into our final section of this deliciously <laughs> long intro. Um, fuck, Mary, kill. So first we have Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger. I feel like Freddy, Freddy Krueger's like Kind of a freak. Like he's. I feel like he's kind of freaky. He's got long arms and yeah. And he also has spikes for fingers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, okay. I guess I'll kill him. I'll marry Michael Myers because one of my favorite villains. And then I'll fuck Jason. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Billy Loomis, Stu Mocker, and Dewey Riley i'm killing dewey because what wait mm, wait i'm getting okay hold on <laughs> okay i think i'm gonna fuck billy loomis absolutely um i think <laughs> i will i guess i'll kill Stu. i'll marry dewey because dewey's good right in the end
0: yeah he's yeah. always good okay um yeah i'm the same too okay oh billy loomis <laughs> he's so hot yeah he is hot
1: Okay, and then finally, (laughs) Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, and Twitches. I don't know how about the fuck part of this, because these are all,
0: like, children's movies. That aside, it's just, you know, one that you wouldn't marry, but that you'd, like, vibe with. Okay. I think,
1: oh, man, I haven't seen Twitches in a long time, since we watched it. Well, I think I'm going to marry Hocus Pocus.
0: I think I'll fuck Twitches, and I'll kill Halloween Town. I think, I think I'm going to... Mary Hocus Pocus as well, but I think I'm going to fuck Halloween Town and kill Twitches. Wow. Yeah. Twitches 2 was garbage. <laughs> Twitches was fun. Twitches 2 is terrible.
1: That's a shame. <clears throat> I thought yeah. like they could have made that a really like bomb scene, like, mo- like three-part movie series. Yeah. But, but it just... was really, really bad. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Okay. Well... <laughs> I love talking through all that stuff. That was fun. Yeah, I like answering. I wanted th- to make it
0: Halloween themed, you know, mm-hmm. for the Halloween special. I mean, I and like answering
1: surveys, so I like answering those
0: questions. Yeah, and I can post these as some of these as polls on the Instagram Ooh, too, yeah. and see what our listeners think, yeah. and followers think. I'll that'd be, be really. Fun. I'll be
1: curious. To know I'll do that on the actual day of Halloween. Yeah, I'll be curious to know when people's um, favorite scary movies because I bet there's something we haven't yeah. heard of. Yeah, yeah, like The
0: Descent. Well, and there's yeah. The one that was listed, um, we talked about this on the last episode, but we're watching The Descent tonight, which w- I found on several scary movie lists, but one that I saw yesterday um, that reported on scariest movies of all time based on average heartbeats from, per minute for the people that were watching it. And the first one was a movie called The Host. Have you ever, ever heard of that? It sounds familiar, but like I don't know anything about it. I don't either. So I'm like, well now I feel like we gotta watch it. So it's like you know, I just keep learning about scary movies that I've never heard of, but Mm -hmm. multiple people are saying like, it's so scary. So I'm sure we'll have plenty. Okay. So I guess that brings us to our story for this week. I'm excited because you said it's like really disturbing. It's incredibly disturbing. (laughs) This was the only time that I've you know, I was doing my research where I had to take, like, a little breather. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it wasn't, like, a super long breather, but I had to, like, roll yeah. away from my computer and be like, oh, oh my God. How did you find – well, I guess say what you're doing first, but I'm just curious how you found – found out about this. Okay, so today I will be telling you all about the grave robber and serial killer commonly known as the Ghoul of Plainfield and the Mad Butcher, Uh from whose crimes such iconic films as Psycho, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the Silence of the Lambs have emerged. This monster was also known by the name Ed Gein, and the place where he committed these crimes continues to preserve the dark and twisted legacy he left behind. (sighs) So I've always known about Ed Gein, just because he's, like, one of the most notorious serial killers of, like, the last century, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I knew that Psycho, um, and the Leatherface were based off of him, but I didn't know the extent of all of his crimes, and, like, the haunting aspect Of what his crimes left behind. So it's a lot. I have nearly 10 pages of notes. Oh my gosh. Um, Perfect
1: for a Halloween special.
0: Yes, this is merging true crime with haunted tales. So it's gonna be a long one, so buckle in. I'm excited. (laughs) So, first, we're gonna start with a little background on who Ed Gein was. Edward Theodore Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin on August 27th, 1906 the second of two boys his mother augusta was fervently religious and would frequently preach to her sons about the innate immorality of the world the evil of drinking and her belief that all women apart from herself of course were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil well duh (laughs) (laughs) hello she reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting verses from the Old Testament and the oh. Book of Revelation concerning death, murder, and divine retribution. Oof. Augusta hated her husband, Ed's father, who was an alcoholic and was unable to keep a job. During his time in Lacrosse, Ed's father owned a local grocery shop, but he soon sold the business and left the city with his family to live in isolation on a 155-acre farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, which became their permanent residence. Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away outsiders who could have influenced her sons. Ed left the farm only to attend school, and outside of school, he spent most of his time doing chores on the farm classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms such as seemingly random laughter as if he were laughing at his own jokes oh i mean (laughs) i do that sometimes (laughs) but like if you're not talking to anybody else and then like you just start maniacally laughing
1: yeah no that's not great it's a little
0: weird (laughs) to make matters worse augusta punished him whenever he tried to make friends Ed's father would die in 1940 of heart failure related to his alcoholism, and to help cover living expenses, Ed and his brother Henry began doing odd jobs around town. While both brothers worked as handymen, Ed also babysat for neighbors, which he was fond of doing as he seemed to relate more easily to children than adults. At one point, his brother started dating a divorced mother of two and was planning to move in with her. He worried about Ed's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around him, to which Ed responded with shock and hurt. Subsequently, on May 16, 1944, Ed was burning away marsh vegetation on the property. The fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. Oh, oh no. With lanterns and flashlights, a search party looked for his 43 year old brother, whose dead body was found lying face down. Oh. Wow. He had been dead for some time, and it appeared the cause of death was heart failure since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. It was later reported by biographer Harold Schechter that Ed's brother had breezes on his head. Police dismissed the possibility of foul play, but the county coroner later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. However, the authorities accepted the accident theory, and no investigation was conducted, nor was an autopsy performed. Wow. So, they just kind of accepted that he died under mysterious circumstances, and that was it. And this was the 40s, you said? Yeah. I feel like that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. With his brother now dead, Ed and Augusta were now alone. Augusta had a paralyzing stroke soon after Ed's brother died, and he devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime later, in 1945, he recounted visiting a man named Smith with his mother, who lived nearby to purchase straw. According to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside the Smith residence ran outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Augusta was extremely upset, but not because of the brutality toward the dog. She was upset by the presence of the woman. She told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith and so had no business being there, angrily referring to her as, quote, Smith's harlot. Oh, wow. Augusta would have a second stroke soon after and subsequently died on December 29th, 1945 at the age of 67 ed was devastated by her death in the words of Schechter, he had quote lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world ed held onto the farm and earned money from odd jobs he boarded up rooms used by his mother including the upstairs downstairs parlor and living room leaving them untouched while the rest of the house became increasingly squalid these rooms remained pristine Ed would live in a small room by the kitchen, and around this time, he became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those involving cannibals or Nazi atrocities, specifically concerning Ilse Ko, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, who selected tattooed prisoners for death in order to fashion lampshades and other items from their skins. Oh, my God. So he's starting to get a little inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. So on the morning of November 16th, 1957, so this is a little over f- 10 years later, 58-year-old Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. The hardware store's truck had been seen driving out from the rear of the building at around 9:30 a.m. Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. <sighs> Frank Warden would tell investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, Gein had been in the store and was to return the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for the antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning that she disappeared. That evening, Ed was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store, and the Washura County Sheriff's Department searched the Gein farm. A sheriff's deputy discovered Bernice Warden. Oh, okay. I'll just drop the content warning now. <laughs> This shit is highly disturbing, so if you don't want to hear about really horrific, graphic, um, true crime-adjacent things, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, a sheriff's deputy discovered Bernice Warden's decapitated body in a shed on Gein's property, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes around her wrists. Oh my god. The torso was, quote, dressed out like a deer. She had been shot with a .22 caliber rifle, and the mutilations were made after her death. Searching the house, the authorities also found whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedposts, female skulls, some with the tops sawn off, Bowls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. A woman named Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart. In a plastic bag in front of Gein's potbelly stove. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. <gasps> a young girl's dress and quote, the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years oh old. Gosh. A belt made from female human nipples. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. And fingernails from female fingers. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. You guys couldn't see, obviously, but my mouth was <laughs> agape the entire time you were listing off all of those things.
0: That's when I had to take a little breather. Could you imagine? So
1: you said authorities found all of that? Yeah. Could you imagine having to be the people that have to go through and catalog all of that? Mm-hmm. It's just one thing after another. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: That's like... I don't want to say worse, but it's like on par with when they found all that stuff in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. The vulvas is just so 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 disturbing. So disturbing. When questioned, Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he had made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently (gasps) buried bodies while he was in a daze like state. Oh my God. On about 30 of those visits, he said that he came out of the days while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order, and returned home empty-handed. But on the other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home, where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. And that's what you do in taxidermy. You have to tan the skin first, is what I learned. Wow, you weren't kidding when you said this inspired Psycho, Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Gein admitted to robbing nine graves and led investigators to their locations, and Gein's confession was largely co- corroborated. Soon after his mother's... Yeah, this is the brief. oh Okay. Soon after his mother's death, Gein began to create a, quote, woman suit so that he could become his mother to oh. literally crawl into her skin. Oh. And that is why he is the real-life psycho. Oh God. Yeah. He denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining, oh. quote, they smelled too bad. Okay. That's
1: where he draws the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no point in trying to make sense of someone
0: like this as that's thinking. Like No. Oh my god. Yeah, you can't you can't wrap your your brain around it. It doesn't make sense. What's surprising that's, to me, maybe you'll get to it, is how he just like
1: was like, okay, I'll comply with the police.
0: Well, at, and yeah, I mean, at that point, they have all the evidence, right? So against I, you're him. right. So it's like, what can what? he do? He's like, but no, still. I, that's not mine. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? That is so disgusting. Yeah. During state crime laboratory interrogations, Gein also admitted to shooting 51-year-old Mary Hogan, a tavern owner missing since December 8, 1954. So a few years before Bernice Warden's disappearance. As mentioned previously, her head was found in Gein's house, but he later denied memory of details surrounding her death. Hmm. A 16-year-old youth whose parents were friends of Gein and and who had attended baseball games and movies with him reported that he kept shrunken heads in his house, which he had described as relics sent by a cousin who had served in the Philippines during World War II. But upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be the human facial skins, carefully peeled from corpses and used by Gein as masks. Oh, God. During questioning, Sheriff Art Schley reported reportedly assaulted Gene by banging his head and face into a brick wall and as a result, Gene's initial confession was ruled inadmissible. <gasps> Schley died of a heart fail- of heart failure in 1968 at age 43 before Green's death before Gein's trial. Oh, my gosh. And many who knew him said he was traumatized by the horror of Gein's crimes, and this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, caused his death. One of his friends said, quote, he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, 43. God, that's so young. I can't imagine the kind of stress that makes your heart give out. No, I can't either. So, in addition to the murders of Hogan and Warden, Gein was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin. In November 1957, authorities confronted Gein with a list of missing persons cases that had occurred between the death of his mother and Warden. Their suspicions were further aroused after the discovery of, of Hogan's remains. However, lie detector tests seemingly exonerated Gean of any other murders, and his psychiatrists concluded that his violence was only directed to women who physically resembled his mother. And I did look at the list of the suspected um, crimes that he could have been connected with, and none of them fit the profile of his mother. Like, they were either young girls or mm-hmm. men. Um, so, that matches what the psychiatrists are saying. But, like, you know how I feel about lie detector tests. Yeah. If you are a psychopath, you can pass those pass easily. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's why they're inadmissible in court. Anyway, um, so on to the trial. On November 21st, 1957, Guin was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washera County Court, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. He was diagnosed Hmm. with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. And he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, now known as the Dodge Correctional Institution, which is a maximum security facility in Wapun and... A wapoon, I don't know how to pronounce that, <laughs> and later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison. In 1968, doctors determined Gein was quote, mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. The trial began on November 7th, 1968 and lasted one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gein told him that he did not know whether the killing of Warden was intentional or accidental. Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the weapon had discharged and killed her. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened that morning, which is like, what? Yeah. It's just like, I don't get it. Because he's already confessed to so much, so it doesn't make sense for him to lie about that. Right. But, like, how does that make any sense? It doesn't. (laughs) It just doesn't. (laughs) At the request of the defense, Gein's trial was held without a jury, with Judge Robert H. Golmar presiding. Gein was found guilty by Golmar in on November 14th, and a second trial dealt with Gein's sanity. After testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense, Golmar ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed to Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Notably, Judge Golmar wrote, Due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Mrs. Warden." He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan, end quote. So basically, the state saw conducting an additional trial as a waste of money, and he'd already confessed to Mary's murder and was spending the rest of his life in a mental hospital either way. Interesting. Which is like, <sighs> like he's already going away, so that's fine. but like it almost feels like the lack of them saying you are you are guilty of this crime is kind of disrespectful to her.
1: Yeah. I'd imagine it'd be very hard for the family of victims in those circumstances to be like, okay, well, the criminal's going away, but, like, yeah. they didn't give my daughter or my wife's also, trial, yeah. like, a fair case yeah. fair trial. And I
0: also don't know how I feel about the ruling not guilty by reason of insanity because he did do it. Yeah. And like, I know that's dicey because of everything with mental health, but I, I wish there was a way to say that they did do it but won't be going to jail and will be getting treated for their mental health. Right. Like, a more concise way of saying that. I know. It's like, it's a like very complicated like, yeah. spot. Yeah. So, Gein spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital, dying of respiratory failure resulting from lung cancer on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. And he is buried next to his family in the Plainfield Cemetery. But over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone until the stone itself was stolen in 2000. It was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle and was placed in storage at the Washara County Sheriff's Department. And the gravesite itself is now unmarked, but not unknown. Wow. So, Gaines House and property <laughs> were appraised at $4,700, which in as of 2022 was $48,000. Oh, my gosh. Which actually seems kind of low for that much property, but this is in Wisconsin, so I don't know what the real estate is. Yeah, maybe it might be different out there. Um, his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958. <gasps> what pe- oh. Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> it's just crazy to me that he owned
1: furniture that wasn't made of human remains. Uh-huh. So I'm like, what the fuck are they auctioning off? Like, a well, side table? I'll talk about it. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> so, his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned amidst rumors that the house and land it stood on might become a tourist attraction, oh. which I thought was very interesting. Interesting. They were, like, circumventing that. Yeah. Um, early in the morning of March 20th, however, the house was destroyed by fire. Arson was su- was suspected, but the cause of the fire was never officially determined. It's also likely that the fire was not considered a matter of urgency by the then fire chief, Frank Warden, who, if you remember, was the son of Gein's first victim.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When Gein learned of the incident while in detention, he shrugged and said, quote, just as well. <laughs> so he's just giving up. Yeah. <laughs> Gein's Ford sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at public auction for $760, which is about $7,700 as of 2022, to a carnival sideshow operator named Bunny Gibbons. Okay. <laughs> and Gibbons charged carnival goers 25 cents admission to see it. No. An entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the story, Gein's story has had a lasting effect on American popular culture as evidenced by its numerous appearances in film, music, and literature. Gein served as the inspiration for a myriad of fictional serial killers, most notably Norman Bates from Psycho, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs, Garland Green from Con Air, and the character Dr. Oliver Threadson in the TV series American Horror Story Asylum. Ooh, which I still have to watch. You haven't seen Asylum?
1: Was that the second? Wait, was was that, it, wait I,
0: have, I have. Was spe- it the second th- season? Yes. Then I okay. I never finished it. Okay, but I did I, watch some. I have specific memories of watching it in your parents' house and us stopping to make sandwiches, <laughs> and then eating the sandwiches while watching it, and then feeling kind of uh, about it because there's like a lot of gory scenes. Because as I just mentioned, the main like villain in it is based off <laughs> Ed Gein. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Now we're going to get into the hauntings in the same burial ground where Ed Gein is interred lies the remains of the women he dug up, which is, yeah. but there's only three cemeteries in that yeah, town. Yeah, So there's not much like, to choose from. It's a very small town. <laughs> not surprisingly, the place is said to be haunted by the restless soul of at least one of the fiends victims. And the land once occupied by the Gein farm was bought at auction by a private buyer who spent the next several years tearing down the barn and other outbuildings, planting trees, and trying to erase the memory of what happened there. Today, nothing remains of the Gein house, at least above ground, but some believe Gein's evil spirit still haunts the vacant land. In Discovery Plus's shock doc special, Ed Gein, the real psycho, documentary film producer and paranormal investigator Steve Shippey invites psychic medium Cindy Kaza to probe the inner darkness to confirm whether or not this psychopath spirit is still haunting the town he terrorized in real life. And no, unfortunately, I was not able to watch this. And I was so mad because I thought it was going to be on um, Amazon, but it, you have to get like the Amazon discovery plus oh yeah and I, I even tried to do the seven-day trial but then it was like it's connected through amazon so i had to log into my mom's amazon account and then it the whole was like thing. sending her the code to her text message and she's and, out of the country <laughs> so it was like i you know i gave up but i found an article that um summarized it so it worked out <laughs> the documentary is the first time cameras have been allowed on the game property a man who bought antique knives at auction reveals the object carried a curse. Within weeks of buying them, he began seeing a shadowy figure of a man leaving the garage they were kept in. His family suffered a series of tragedies, and within moments of touching a blade, Cindy Caza allegedly feels the evil emanating from it and discerns it to be, po- to be a possible murder weapon. And I wrote that I was unsure if she ties it to a murder Ed Gein possibly committed or maybe a previous owner, I figured they would probably talk about that in the actual documentary, but if it is to, tied to Ed, that would be interesting as both his confirmed murders were committed with a gun. Oh. So that would help support theories of him being connected to other missing person cases he was previously mm. suspected of. Although I'm not mm. sure how those people... Well, actually, because they were missing persons, I don't think they they were ever found. Yeah, wow. So it's they wouldn't know the cause of death. yeah. Shippy and Kaza used connect audio readings, R2 meters, which when I looked it up, it sounded like it was essentially EMF detection equipment, mm-hmm. and motion sensors to try and capture any paranormal activity. At one point... <laughs> his name is Shippy, but I accidentally wrote Skippy. Um, <laughs> at one point, Shippy asks a blinking light on one of the monitors, quote, Did you say Ed? and electricity charges the entire location. Mm -hmm. The name Ed can be made to be heard in every burst of static caused by the interference. Shippy and Kaza essentially communicate with the Geens, that being Ed and his mother, and question them about the relationship. (laughs) Put on the suit, Shippy claims Geen says during the paranormal encounter. Shippy then asks Geen if he is referring to his infamous skin suit, to which he which they hear a yeah in response. Interestingly, Kaza seems almost stung, like offended, when Gein's mother allegedly calls her a witch. (laughs) And at the end of the paranormal interview, Shippey says, quote, this kind of evidence is unheard of. Kaza would go on to say, quote, tapping into the energy of Ed Gein as he was alive and dead will haunt me for the rest of my life. So I'm hoping that that comes onto like regular Amazon at some point because I would love to watch that. It sounded very interesting. It does. But something specifically that came from his property that is said to be extremely haunted was his cauldron.
1: Oh, he had a so cauldron. He had a
0: cauldron. I
1: should have known.
0: Yeah, the following information came from an article titled Ed Gein's Cauldron, the Story Behind the Ghoulish Artifact in Zach Baggins' <gasps> Haunted Museum by Charlie <laughs> Hintz. My man. <laughs> Um, so Charlie posts for a website called Cult of the Weird, and his artifact is only one of many that he's reported on. He was contacted in 2015 by a man named Dan McIntyre, who was hoping to drum up interest in an upcoming auction. McIntyre, it turned out, was hoping to rid himself of a gruesome relic he inherited from his grandmother. She had purchased the object in March of 1958, just a few months after Gene's arrest, when his property and belongings were sold off. McIntyre said that his grandmother found the old simple cauldron at the the sale and thought it would make a great planter. Oh my god. Why? It's like, you know who this guy is. You know what he did. Yeah. How can you, like, just pick that up like it's, like, a normal auction and be like, yeah, I'm gonna plant flowers in this thing knowing what he used it for. I find
1: estate sales of, like, people who have died to be already kind of sad and, like, a little weird. So then... To buy something that belongs to a gruesome murderer freak, like yeah,
0: I just wouldn't. It's like that's, that thing is guaranteed to have negative energy yeah. associated Why with it. Why would you want that? And just like <sighs> the f- like paranormal activity aside, just looking at it is going to make you feel something negative in your mind. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> years later, a friend of McIntyre's named Hollis Brown, who, according to McIntyre, had been a neighbor of the Geens, caught a glimpse of the cauldron stuffed away in the garage. Horrified, he realized he had seen it before on the Geen farm where he was assisting police with the cleanup. So oh this part gosh. was interesting. The police were so sick to their stomachs at what they found that they needed to enlist the help of some of the neighbors, Hollis included.
1: Oh, my god. So
0: this man along with some of the other neighbors helped these police officers cut down the bodies that like specifically that one body that was hanging. Oh my god. Oh. Because like I said this is a small town and this this was the sheriff's department. So it's like I don't know how many people were in that specific town's sheriff's department, Probably but it was not, not very many. many. Yeah. And they were obviously horrified at what they found. And so like they couldn't do it alone. That's awful. Yeah, they 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 couldn't they they, couldn't properly do their job because of what they saw. Mm. Like that was above their pay grade. (laughs) Mm. So McIntyre describes this revelation in an email to Charlie that reads as follows: Hollis saw many terrible things. He told me upon entering the home he saw a woman's breast at as the doorbell. So like, do you remember how I said that the authorities found a nipple belt? Yeah. Yeah. This man also recounted seeing a nipple as the doorbell. Inside, he saw a skin lampshade, a comforter blanket made from human skin, furniture made of skin breasts, bloody gut buckets, a change purse made from a woman's vagina, a belt with nipples on it, and when Hollis saw the cauldron in my parents' garage, he recognized it as the same black cauldron that he had seen seen Ed's parents use to render hog fat on the farm. So, like, when... They were actually doing farm things. (laughs) They used it. Um, And he also recognized it as the same cauldron in one of the outbuilding sheds and remembered Ed's sinister use for it. He remembers the cauldron was covered in dry blood and guts next to two barrels slash tubs of bloody human entrails slash intestines. Yep. Ugh. Disgusting. So, big content warning will be at the (laughs) beginning of this episode. (laughs) Um, 50 years later, Hollis recognized the cauldron in my parents' garage and turned white as a ghost. I asked him how he knew it was the same one covered in dry blood. And he lifted his arm and said, the hair in my arm stands straight up every time he looks at it in my parents' garage. Wow. That's the energy. So when Charlie followed up with McIntyre and the auction house, they informed him that Zach Baggins of That's Ghost Adventures had phoned in the winning bid at $2,800. That's it? That well, seems low for him. That does seem low. remember when I did the episode on the Devil's Rocking Chair, and he spent like definitely over 10000 like $15,000 on it, maybe more, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that does so seem very low. Seems low. Um, but it, that also just maybe sounds like nobody else wanted to spend yeah. a lot of money on this thing <laughs> yeah. because... Why? <laughs> in communications with McIntyre afterwards, he expressed belief that the cauldron had dark energy, which might have been dormant while it was sitting covered in his garage. When it was disturbed in preparation for the auction, he seemed to feel something reawakened. He experienced a mysterious illness, disruption of nearby electronics, and other phenomena when the cauldron was mentioned. In the presence of the cauldron, he described feeling of feelings of unease, dizziness, and anxiety. And McIntyre wrote, quote, I'm not so sure that displaying an item that represents such evil is a good idea. What evil will it inspire? I wonder if I should have kept it and planted flowers in it only to be forgotten in time. Then there would be one less item in this world to remind us of the evil that lurks on the flip side of mankind's good. Wow. That's a deep quote. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I don't know if I could keep something like that just to shield the rest of the world from it. I wouldn't. <laughs> Sorry, rest Sorry, of the world. Sorry, guys. Because you're paying to go see that thing, but I'm this is like, that's your prerogative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Cauldron was featured in an April 2017 episode of Zach Bagans' series, Deadly Possessions, on the tra- Travel Channel, on which McIntyre appeared to share his story. And yes, I did watch this <laughs> episode, so I'm going to talk about that now. Dan meets Zach and tells him about how his family acquired the cauldron and their friend Hollis's reaction to finding it in the garage that I just detailed. Mm. Um, he described experiences he'd had with it starting at around six or eight years old, which was when his parents told him that it was previously owned by a mass murderer. Oh my gosh. So Zach asked him why on earth his grandmother would buy this, knowing it was used to belong to, or knowing that it used to belong to Edgean, and he said he didn't know, but that <laughs> when he was near it, he was overwhelmed with a creepy feeling like he was never alone. Oh, Zach then sat down with Carneth, who was the son of Hollis Brown, to discuss his father's firsthand account of Ed Gein's atrocities. He then told Zach about his grandmother's run-in with Gean when he tried taking one of his aunts, who happened to be on the heavier side which was interesting to me that they said that on the show because if you remember in Silence of the Lambs, that was Buffalo Bill's type. Yes, you're right. So it makes me wonder if his mom, Ed Gein's mom, was like heavier set. Maybe. Um, So she faced him down with a shotgun and said, quote, get out of here or die, which I thought was interesting wasn't like listed in any of the other sources that I read. Yeah. Um, But in some of the suspected crimes that he was like possibly connected to they were kidnappings so Hmm. maybe this was a failed kidnapping attempt yeah later in the episode zach is back with dan mcintyre who described more of what hollis saw and how he along with dan's father mother brother-in-law and cousin all helped clean out the garage then dan started getting really emotional and told zach that within 18 months all the people who cleaned out that garage were dead Wow. Some deaths could have been explained, but others felt like freak accidents. And Dan claimed the cauldron was in the garage when they were cleaning it out. He doesn't know for sure if the dark energy could be connected to these deaths, but admits it's a scary thought. And Zach asks Dan if he's in danger, he being Zach, Mm. if Zach's in danger by owning the cauldron, to which Dan responds, quote, I think you're knocking on the devil's door, so don't be surprised if he answers. (sighs) Woo! Oh boy. That's what everyone should be saying to Zach Baggins. Yes. Like, what the fuck are you (laughs) doing? (laughs) He's truly insane. Later, Carneth, Hollis's son, explained how it was good Dan no longer had the cauldron as he had been sick for many years and was finally better now that he wasn't constantly surrounded by the negative energy emitted by the cauldron. When Zach questioned him about how people discuss or think about Ed Gein in Plainfield today, he said, quote, "There are still a lot of bitter feelings. We're always joking that anybody that says anything in Plainfield about him has got a death wish." Ooh. So it's like they all think the land is cursed and are so scared of him, even in death, that they refuse to speak about it on his turf. Wow. Which is crazy. Then Zach talks with Courtney, who is the daughter of a couple sending a pair of skis to Zach, which were once owned by Ed Gein, and her boyfriend Derek. The couple was originally supposed to be The couple being Courtney's parents were the original ones that were supposed to be interviewed by Zach, but their own daughter recently had a stroke, which they believe was caused by the skis, so they sent Courtney and Derek in their place, which, like, uh, we don't really know if that's true, but, like, if it is, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Courtney and Derek talk about how they make regular trips to Ed Gein's property to call out to his spirit. What? Okay. Yeah. I didn't have much empathy for these people. No. (laughs) That's fucking stupid. Like... Her allegedly her sister just had a stroke that was allegedly linked to haunted objects from his property. And you're going to go to that land and call out to him to further instigate his antics. (sighs) Look, I'm not going to say some people deserve what they have coming to them, but (laughs) sometimes they do. It's not hard to not be stupid. <laughs> anyway. Courtney claims she captured a mist in photographs after Derek expressed feeling a presence next to him on the property. They claim it was Gein's spirit and that they go to the property anytime they're in that part of town, saying it's, quote, like a religious thing to visit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Then they agree to look at the cauldron and use a spirit box to try and communicate with Gein's alleged spirit. Great. Right. Before Courtney and Derek see the cauldron, Zach does some initial EMF readings, which show apparent high levels of activity. When they use the spirit box, they ask if anyone's there, to which a seemingly female voice responds, I'm here. Then they speak directly to Ed, asking what he wants to happen to the people that now own his stuff, to which they hear what sounds like evil, followed by a loud thud in an adjacent room. Then they ask the box what is attached to this cauldron and hear a response saying, death. Then they ask if he likes that other people own his items, to which the box responds no, but also responds yes when asked if they're happy it'll be displayed in Zach's <laughs> exam. Notably, each response is in the same female female voice, and Zach and his crew theorize that Gein is disguising himself as a female in death, similarly to how he would pretend to be a female in life, by wearing his woman's suits, fashioned from female skin. So, to conclude... It's no wonder that such atrocities committed by someone that would go on to inspire fictional serial killers such as Norman Bates, Leatherface, and Buffalo Bill would leave an incredibly haunted mark on the town they terrorized for nearly a decade. There's a reason Ed Gein has been dubbed America's most infamous serial killer, and it's hard to quite wrap our heads around the horrors that ensued at his property and the fact that a human was ever capable of doing them in the first place. So with that, happy Halloween. Hope you can sleep good tonight. That was
1: so disturbing but so good like that was a great story to tell but that was so disturbing
0: yeah perfect for the occasion though yeah so i hope we did you guys justice on this spooky festive occasion um and i guess that brings us to this week's paranormal protection tip of the week so as some people know Halloween originates from the pagan holiday known as Samhain. It marks the end of the harvest season and beginning of winter or darker half of the year. Celebrations begin on the evening of October 31st since the Celtic day began and ended at sunset. And candle magic is great to incorporate for Samhain. Wicked Obscura states the following. I got this from wickedobscura.com just so people are tracking (laughs) candle magic is a type of ritual magic that uses candles as a focal point for your intent when performed correctly candle magic is an incredibly effective way to work with intention and energy and it's also really simple to do all you need is a candle any color will do but i always recommend wicked obscura's death tarot soy candle they have candles too, they sell. And I might get one, honestly, because they have crystals in them. Oh, see, there you um, go. <laughs> this is because the Death Tarot card perfectly aligns with Samhain, as the timing is the same, as well as it encompasses many of the same themes. The scent, the color, and even the Eye Light crystals support themes for stopping us being distracted by negative energies, by guiding us to a brighter light, and by creating an energetic barrier in witchcraft to shield you moving forward.
1: Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah. All good things that you would want in your life. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our Halloween special. Um, We hope you have wonderful, spooky, fun holidays. Have fun, but stay safe, as always. Mm Um, Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, if you don't already, at DFWG Podcast. And you can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash DFWG Podcast. And shout out to our current patrons, Brittany, Nikki, Jeremiah, Tom, Jennifer, Katie S., Joanna, and Katie T.
0: And if you have any paranormal encounters of your own that you wish to share, you can send them into to to our email at DFWG Podcast at gmail.com or dm us on instagram whatever way you wish Uh, please rate and review us on spotify and apple because it really helps push our show forward to new listeners and helps get us noticed so remember light those candles and always stay away from ouija boards bye happy halloween